Good morning, everybody. It's a winter wonderland, but not for too much longer. I hear it's returning to the 40s this week, and a Canadian girl like myself is crying about that because I want snow all winter. I told the tech team, actually, I don't think anybody on the worship team likes cold and snow except for me. And I just said, y'all are babies. <laughs> but I'm so glad you made it. We're gonna get started in worship. One of the things that was on my mind this morning or this, the last couple days was, I'm certain that when we meet the Lord, when we behold him, when we see him in all his fullness, we'll finally realize that he is kinder, more merciful, more beautiful than we ever could have known. I think it's gonna hit us like a ton of bricks that he was actually way better than we could have ever imagined. And so if you walked in here this morning, not believing that for a second, I pray that the Father would reveal that to you. I pray that he would visit you in a special way, that he would himself, that the living Christ would lead you into worship. Circumstance says nothing about how he feels about you. If life is hard, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. If life is good, it doesn't mean he's favoring you. Your worth before him never changes. So let's stand to our feet. We're gonna sing that he is good. Sometimes we sing because we believe and sometimes we sing it until we believe. And this front row here, this front, section is totally an invitation for anybody who wants to come and worship with us at the stage here because i mean if i had my way i'd just lead worship from the center and we all face each other <laughs> but there's some technical issues that we would have but lord we just declare that you are good god we want to encounter you as much as we can on this side of eternity we want to experience you as much as we can. Open our eyes to behold you. Open our eyes to see you just as you are. Not as we imagine you to be, but as you are, God. You are good all the time, Jesus. Sorry, you guys. Let's just start that again. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I'll run. From all he is, my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life, all he 
this to him we've all told this to him that there was always a spot for him when he returned and we waited two years but it was worth the wait and he was he was silly enough to ask do I have to re-audition I was like no bro you are in it you are here um as we get into this next song which I love yes and amen I actually this is kind of different can we sing this song over marriages in this house, over the city. Let this be kind of the focus as we're worshiping. Worship is prayer. I know that the enemy is after a lot of marriages. And so we're just as the family of God saying, no, that's, that's not what's gonna happen. We're not gonna stand, not on our watch. We're not gonna stand for that. And God, we say yes and amen for you rebuilding and restoring marriages. Marriages that are on the brink of total failure we just say that all things are possible and what you join together, nothing, no one, no dark force, nothing at all can separate.
you have poured out grace you brought me out of darkness you have filled me with peace giver of mercy on my help in times of need Lord I can help but sing
our declaration this morning is that you are good and that you are enough. Right here, right now, you are enough. 
And I encourage you in that place where there's a longing in your own soul, that there's an unmet, unmet need or expectation, would you come to that place and say, Jesus in this, you are enough for me. If nothing in this area ever changed the rest of the days of my life, you are enough. And in the age that is to come, in the fullness of it, there will be no need, there will be no unmet expectation. And so I can await in confidence and in hope. Be here and now while I wait, I'm waiting with the presence of Jesus. And I'm relying on Him. I'm relying on Him to meet my need. I'm putting my hope and my expectation in Him and saying that Jesus, you truly are enough. We'll spend a couple minutes praying. And what I want you to do is to actually go through that process. Come to that longing, that hurt, that place of brokenness in your life. Would you bring that before the Lord and ask him to move, ask him to do something inside of that. But even if he doesn't say, but Jesus, even still, you are enough. You will always be enough. And my hope will always be in you. For the next few minutes, church, let's pray. Jesus, like Paul, this morning we say that your grace is sufficient for us in all things. You revealed that to him. 
He believed it. And Lord, reveal it to us that we would believe it too. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's so good to be here with you today. Radiant Kids, you are dismissed. Your room leaders are in the back. We'll be taking you to the rooms. And parents, you can pick up your kids after service lets out in the Radiant Kids ministry area. Uh, one announcement real quick is, uh, you know, we love worship. Uh, this is one of the things the Lord's built into this house is uh, we love worship and ministering to the Lord. And we love doing that together. It's something special when we gather together and minister to him. And uh, one of the things that we're a part of is called Sounds of the City. And it's a worship gathering that takes place every quarter where different churches in the city gather together just for the purpose of uniting together uh, one spirit poured out in us, one Lord that we worship. And we come together as the family, not just this local house, which I absolutely love, but the church in our city, which I absolutely love too. We have a lot of other brothers and sisters and other houses. And this is a time where we gather together to worship together and minister to the Lord. It's going to be this Friday night at 7 p.m. at... Uh, 242 Community Church in Ann Arbor, right on Wagner Road. And so I would encourage you, this is the first one we're not hosting. And so it's awesome that it's gonna be somewhere else and that it's growing. So if you don't have anything going on, join us at 7 p.m. at 242. If you have something going on, cancel it. Join us at 242, <laughs> whatever, it's gonna be good. And it's a part of investing. Uh, we all spend our life investing in things. And it comes down to the question of what am I going to invest my life into? and you can invest your life into Netflix, you can invest your life into whatever else, but it's important, I think, that what the Lord is doing is he's causing unity in the church. One of the things he prayed was that we would all be one. And everything the enemy is doing is trying to drive us apart so that we are not one. And we've been discipled into that in our culture and we keep siloing and separating ourselves over different things, but Jesus is drawing us together. And this is a tangible expression of what the kingdom of God is like, is that people who might have some different theological views and we all have different views because right now we see through a glass dimly lit, that's the reality of even the greatest theologian, uh, but real good theology is loving your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And so we're coming together united and centered around him. So I would encourage you, if you've ever had that be something that was a desire of your heart, God, why are there so many different churches and denominations? Why so many divisions and separations? Like, why does that exist? I wish it was different. Here's your chance to invest in different by your presence there saying, this is valuable. And I'm gonna to gather together as the church and invest in the unity of the church, not just this local house, but the unity of the church of God inside of our city. So I'll be there and look forward to seeing a lot of you there with us as well. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to John chapter 15. As we're continuing to look at this, um, it's taking longer than I thought, like every time I teach, but looking at what it means to remain in him. Uh, all of us want a fruitful life. And that's kind of a Bible-y term for things. Like I want to be fruitful. And that means I want my life to produce something. I don't just want to live and have my life make no difference in the world around me. I don't just want to exist and die someday. And there was no evidence that I was ever here other than a tombstone. I want good things to be produced by my life. I want there to be a difference that is made by my life here. And so that's what we mean by fruitfulness. I want my life to produce something good. And uh, the good news is 
your life is fruitful. You are going to produce fruit. There will be things that are coming out of the life that you live. But is it what you want to be produced? Is it the fruit you want to leave? Um, when Ann and I were working on our front garden, we were planting some flowers we'd never planted before, but you know, like you see a picture, like, oh, that looks nice. Like, let's throw that in the garden. And so we planted a bulb in the fall and then, you know, like you lose the tag, you don't remember it but you kind of remember where you planted something. And so uh, in that general area, a plant grew up and we're all excited. Hey, it made it through the winter and it's growing. And uh, we never knew what it looked like. So it's growing and we assume it's good and we're watering it and we're fertilizing it and we're weeding around it. It gets really, really big. And we're like, wow, this is amazing. I can't wait for those bright orange flowers to come out. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And we're like, this is amazing. Watering it more and fertilizing it more and weeding around it and bigger and bigger. And we got to the end of the year and found out that was not the plant that we planted. <laughs> it was a weed. And we took really good care of that weed. Uh, we might have even pulled the good plant as a weed, like get rid of that thing, don't choke this thing out. And like, that's the reality for our lives though, is that there are things that are being produced. There are things in your life that you are watering. There are things that you are fertilizing. There's things that you're weeding so nothing else competes with it. Is it the fruit that you really want? Is it the plant that you really want to remain or is it something else? I think we always wonder, like, I don't wanna live a fruitless life. It's impossible to live a fruitless life, but you can live a life producing the fruit that you don't actually want to produce because your life will produce something. And so John talks about this, not John, Jesus talks about this in the book of John, John records it. And it's this idea of the fruitfulness of our life. So he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. 
love each other. There's a lot of things that Jesus says in there, and we'll keep going through some of it. But this thing that God's saying right here is that it is God's desire for us to be fruitful. That is his desire for your life. He wants you to bear fruit. And it says fruit that last. He wants you to bear fruit over and over again. It says that you were actually appointed for this. It's not, I hope that I can live a fruitful life. I hope that Jesus wants to do this in me. It's no, you are alive and you exist and the Lord has appointed you in the life that you're living and however many years you may be on this earth in this age and then forever in the age that is to come on a recreated earth, you were appointed to bear lasting fruit. And it even brings glory to God when you bear fruit. One of the desires of our hearts as Christians, if the spirit of God is in you, one of the desires that you have now is you want God to receive glory. You want to bring him glory. And so Jesus tells us right here, that's a desire that you have. How can you do that? It brings God glory when you live a life following the appointment that he has for you to bear lasting fruit. Now, what does that look like? Because we're talking about there's lots of different fruit. You can grow weeds really well that you don't want. Well, Jesus is the model of a fruitful life. If you want to know what kind of life we were appointed to have, what does lasting fruit look like? Look at Jesus. Because he's not only the Messiah, but he's also a model for what the holy possible is for us. He's showing us what new humanity looks like and the life that we've been called into. So when we look at Jesus as our model, uh, we see that he's demonstrating and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Now, in a, a, a continuation is church theologically, where we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue today and therefore strengthening and building the body of Christ. It can be easy to think that the fruit that you want is just the gifts of the Spirit. We want healings, we want you know, miracles, signs, and wonders, and definitely we want all of those things. But that's not the fruit of the Spirit. There are some people who have incredible gifting in the Spirit who are morally bankrupt. We see it in the news all the time. You can be incredibly gifted and morally bankrupt. The Lord ends up exposing that for our good. And we thank God that he does that to protect the body and the church. But we idolize people who have the gifts of the spirit and we minimize people who are bearing the fruit of the spirit. And so we've created a culture inside of the church because the gifts of the spirit, when you misuse them, it will create a platform for you. And where instead of the body being strengthened and built together, it causes people to be elevated over others. And instead of looking to Jesus, the one who is the giver of the gifts for the building of the church, we look at this person as being special and above the rest of us. And I wish I could be like them. And we build them up onto even bigger platforms that block our view of Jesus because we're just looking at this person. And inevitably, when people get massive platforms, uh, it leads to issues uh, because every single one of us is going to sin and make mistakes. When you prop people up, it gives them even greater opportunity for sin and mistakes. And when you prop someone up and they sin, uh, it makes it so that now your whole view of Jesus, if it's based on them, now your view of Jesus is that Jesus is a fraud and the church is a fraud. So I'm grateful for the gifts of the Spirit but not the platforms that we tried to manipulate into using them. You know what is going to last? It says even the gifts of the spirit, there's a day when they're going to cease. When that which is perfect has come, when Jesus returns and the fullness of his kingdom is here, the gifts of the spirit will cease. There'll be no need for them anymore. 
but the fruit lasts forever. You looking for people who are mature in the faith? Look for the fruit of the Spirit being born in them. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit of the God, not the God, the Spirit of the living God. I'm forgetting words in this that change everything theologically. <laughs> that is the evidence of God at work inside of you. You know, one of the, Paul talks about, you know, he's living a life demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit. We always think of that as the gifts of the Spirit, which that is a piece of it. But you know what the greatest demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit is? It's not the miracle signs and wonders because even when you look at Pharaoh, they were able to replicate and duplicate through some of their witchcraft, some of the miracle signs and wonders. But you know what no sorcerer can do? Is replicate and duplicate a life that has been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to look and to live like Jesus. That is the greatest demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. I was once a slave to sin. I was once caught in bondage. My mind was darkened. What was good, I thought was evil. What was evil, I thought was good. I was powerless to do anything about it. But Jesus put his spirit in me. He made me a new creation. He began this process of changing my mind and changing the way that I think. He gave me a grace, a power to overcome the temptation to sin and to live in a new way so that now the longer we live in Jesus, there should be more love, more joy, more patience, more peace, more goodness, faithfulness, and self-control that's demonstrated and exhibited inside of us. And instead of using gifts to create a platform for ourselves, we use the fruit of the Spirit to create a platform for Jesus. Grateful for every single one of the gifts. And I want more of the gifts for the strengthening, the building of the church. But even more than that, I want a body of Christ, a local gathering in the church in our city to dwell deeply in Jesus and to remain in him so that we see the fruit of the spirit of God being born and developed in our lives. Jesus only performed miracles for three years. But for his whole life before that, the fruit of the Spirit was being produced inside of him that made it so that he had the ability to use the gifts of the Spirit in a way that would keep him still in the humility needed to fulfill the Father's will. Without the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit may actually lead to ruin inside of your life and to the lives of others. But the fruit of the Spirit, though it will not build you a platform with people, though it may be unremarkable to some, it is the demonstration of a life fully submitted to Jesus and with his spirit transforming you to look like him. And that is fruit that lasts. Part of the fruitfulness of Jesus is he lived as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. He didn't give himself over to be an ambassador of everything else. You know, it's kind of an interesting couple of weeks in the state of Michigan. University of Michigan played a football game turned out pretty well for them and people got all excited and even crazier the Lions like went to a playoff game and won that and people <laughs> lost their minds grown men weeping because a bunch of kids like threw a dead pig around and caught it better than the other team did grown men weeping I've been waiting my whole life for this well 
maybe there's too much of an ambassadorship to University of Michigan or to Alliance football that's been built inside of us. Maybe if on election day, you know, you wake up the next day and you feel depressed about the results of the election, maybe it's because you've become too much of an ambassador of a political party. Maybe if you wake up and your 401k dropped, maybe you, know, you became too much of an ambassador of your 401k or the American dream or whatever it may be. Jesus didn't give himself over to those things. There was politics like you can't believe that was going on at the time of Jesus. Roman occupation, the way that you know, Herod had gone and got his kingship and was kind of like this fake version of a Messiah empowered by Rome. You had the Pharisees who were opposed to that. You had the Zealots, like we had to take up military arms against the Romans to get our freedom. You had the Essenes who were like, forget all that. I'm going out to the desert. Y'all are on your own. Yeah, you had the Sadducees who are aligning themselves with the political power of Rome. Like it's a mess and Jesus didn't come and say, all right, guys, here's your voter guide. Here's who you vote for. He just came and said, I'm the king, follow me. He didn't join the Essenes. He didn't join the Pharisees. He didn't join the Sadducees. He didn't join Rome. He called all of them to join him and follow after him. And it's the same for us today. It's an election year, but we're ambassadors of King Jesus and of his kingdom. And the only voice that we use is a voice to call people to faithfulness to him. We haven't been called to join the Republicans, the Democrats, the Green Party, the Libertarians. We've been called to join King Jesus and to call others to join him too. The fruitfulness that we see in Jesus is that he was the ambassador of the kingdom of God who announced that it is here now, repent of your sins, receive the new life that has been made possible because the Messiah is here. The kingdom of God is here. We have to live as ambassadors, not of anything else, but of God's kingdom. And he demonstrated the kingdom. In Jesus, you saw what God is like. It went from, and I'm so grateful for scriptures. Like, I love the scriptures. You read this, and these are the inspired words of God for us, but it looks a whole lot better when you see it in a person. Ah, now I get it. You know, the Pharisees were the greatest scholars of the day. They had read and memorized scripture, and they completely missed out on who Jesus was. When God actually came, they missed out on it because they couldn't recognize who he is. The Holy Spirit reveals that to us and does that in us. And then once we come and read scriptures, uh, you know, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, like the greatest evidence for me was that I opened up my Bible the next day and I was like, whoa, these words are alive and they're active and they're sharper than any two-edged sword and they're rightly dividing me. When I prayed, I felt like I actually talked to God. When I worshiped, it was with joy inside of me that I couldn't contain. Something had happened in me that brought everything else to life. We, to live a fruitful life, we demonstrate. We don't just tell people about Jesus. We don't just, you know, read your Bible. We don't just Roman roads them. It's we show them what God is like by the way that we live our lives. We don't just proclaim the kingdom. Jesus did two things, proclaims the kingdom, and then demonstrates the kingdom. Amen. And when he just proclaimed the kingdom, it said many people walked away sad because the cost of the kingdom is everything. You know who stayed? Those who had seen in intimacy the demonstration of his kingdom. Said, Jesus, your words are hard, but where else are we going? You have the words of life. 
they had seen in Jesus, not just the proclamation, but the demonstration of the kingdom of God. And they wanted that. No matter how hard it was, no matter what the cost may be, they wanted the kingdom of God because they had not just heard it demonstrated, I mean, not just heard it proclaimed, but they'd seen it demonstrated by God. And as the model for us of we can demonstrate, not just proclaim the kingdom, and we should, we need to preach the gospel. We need to tell people and call people into a life of repentance. But if that's all we do, it will be fruitless and wasteful. We have to demonstrate the kingdom to them as well. And that's what Jesus did so beautifully. The fruitfulness of Jesus, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in him, it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in him. It's him living as an ambassador of the kingdom and him demonstrating the kingdom and what life in the kingdom of God is like. And that's what every single one of us were appointed to. You were appointed to bear fruit that last, just like Jesus. And Jesus says, well, how do we do that? And one of the things he says is that we obey him. We remain in his love. And in doing that means that we obey him and his commands. We stay inside of his love by doing that. He's given us commands because of his great love for us, for our good. And so we choose to remain in the confines of his love for our good. Then he also says this, that his words have to remain in us. That his words have to remain in us. And that as we allow that to happen, that there's going to be fruit that's born inside of us. That our obedience to him is tied to his words remaining in us. Uh, every, this is like, what, like almost everybody in America claims to be a Christian, right? Like 80%, 75%, I don't know. There's a lot of people in America that claim to be a Christian. But when they do basic like Q&A, like, well, tell me what Jesus said. Like, 8% know what Jesus actually said, and that's being really optimistic. Uh, <laughs> people say, oh yeah, I, I believe what Jesus said. I'm a Christian, I follow after him. Uh, like, I love the Sermon on the Mount, the ethic of Jesus. And then you have them actually read the Sermon on the Mount, like, oh gosh, that's what he said? I hate that. <laughs> that's why our next series is the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> so, um, but people don't actually know what Jesus said. There's a lot of things that America said that they think Jesus said. There's a lot of things our politicians say that they think Jesus said. We have to allow his words to remain in us so that we can live a life that is bearing fruit by remaining in his love and being obedient to every one of his commands. And here's why. It's because words transform us. Words are powerful. A lot of what you believe about God, a lot of what you believe about yourself, a lot of what you believe about the world around you has to do with the words that you've been exposed to. Have you ever known a kid who just was really confident about themselves? You know, they, they, they were just a confident, strong, bold kid. A lot of times you look at the parents, what are the parents saying to that kid? You're smart. You're capable, you're gifted, you're a hard worker. You can do this, you can do that. It's the words that the parents have been speaking over that child transform their minds. And when your mind is transformed, it dictates the things that you do. They believe that they can do these things and that they're smart and that they're capable and a hard worker because that's what the parents have been telling them. Those are the words they've been exposed to. And so now it transforms their minds. Have you ever been around a kid who wasn't that way? 
didn't believe they could do anything, thought they were stupid, thought that they weren't any good. I bet you can look at some parents or other people in positions of authority and relationship in their life who are telling them exactly that. And the negative words of their parents transformed them. The words that remain in you will transform you. And every single one of us, we were born into a lot of different words. There's words that your parents have been speaking out of you, some of it good, some of it bad. There are words that your siblings spoke over you, most of it bad. There are words <laughs> that teachers, aunts and uncles, close friends, spouses, people in other relationships that broke up, that spoke words over you that were wrong and they used it because they wanted to hurt you, but those words have transformed you and they've done something inside of you that's caused you to believe a lie about yourself. Words are powerful and words transform us. And that's why Jesus says that we have to let God's word remain in us. If you want to live a life of fruitfulness like Jesus, one of the keys to it, Jesus says several things, but one of the keys is allowing God's word to remain in us. That means you have to get God's words into you. You're not going to bear a life of fruitfulness if you believe Jesus, you're thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you have no idea what Jesus has said. You will not live a life that is transformed because his words transform us. So how do you get God's words inside of you? This is where scriptures are very, very important to us. Because, in, because of this, we know what God has said. We have to be committed to being people who love scripture and who read scripture. And uh, it's like the first part of that is it's a new year. I know a lot of you might've started a, a Bible reading plan and we're 21 days in. So a lot of you have quit your Bible reading plan <laughs> or fallen about 20 days behind <laughs> your Bible reading plan. Uh, read your Bibles. I, I can't tell you how important this is. I was like, when I was a kid, like they didn't have the internet and stuff. Like you had email and like, you'd like beep, beep, beep. And you'd like go make a sandwich and come back. See if you'd logged in. So you get your email and, uh, like now, like there's reading plans everywhere for reading the Bible. When I was a kid, it was like one reading plan. You had to go to a Christian bookstore to find it. Uh, but now there are so many reading plans that you can go through. Get a reading plan and learn to read scripture. Don't try to read the Bible in two weeks. You will fail miserably and whatever you read, it won't actually be in you. You will have just consumed it like one year out the other. Get a one-year reading plan. Get a three-year reading plan. Like, it doesn't matter, but just daily come to the place of where you're hearing what has God said so that I actually know. And yeah, God helps those who help themselves. That's right. And then that transforms the way that you live. And God never said that. There's lots of things we believe that God has never said, but you don't know because someone else said that, or it seems right according to your culture or whatever, but you've never read what his words are. And so you're not living a transformed life. Get a reading plan, go to biblegateway.com, get the Bible, the YouVersion app, get the Read Scripture app, whatever it is, but just find some way to start actually seeing what the words of Jesus are and then gain understanding. This is a big book and this is really thin pages and it's still a big 
book. And this is a book that was written a long time ago into a culture that's very different than our culture. And what would be very clear and obvious to them in scripture, we don't have the foggiest notion about it. Uh, one of the worst things I think I was told about scriptures is like, just all you need is this, like just read it and you'll be all set. It's all the clear meaning of it. Well, the clear meaning to my you know, year 2024 in Ann Arbor, Michigan, is not necessarily the clear meaning that it would have been to someone 1500 BC. Do some things to gain some understanding. Uh, like again, the, the uh, Read Scripture app is great for getting some basic cultural understanding of awareness. Have these amazing videos that go along with it so you can start understanding uh, the theme of what it is. The Bible recap, if you can get that book. I'm like on a three month waiting list for it, but I hear it's great. But do some things to gain some basic understanding of the culture and what it is that God's speaking. Um, Get a commentary, the, uh, the New Testament for everyone and the Old Testament for everyone, incredibly easy, accessible, just a couple paragraphs every day that you read about to help you understand your daily Bible reading. But start learning about what these scriptures mean and how they apply to our lives and then meditate on them. One of the things David said in Psalm 119, we just spent like five years praying through Psalm 119 in our prayer meeting. One of the things he says is, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's, it's not just enough to read and to gain information. We have to like start getting it into us. Uh, you know, I've done, you know, language work like in Spanish and French and Greek. And it, like, there's so much of it is just, you have to go over it to get it inside of you, memorizing vocabs and declensions and conjugating verbs, like really the boring stuff that comes along with it, but it's getting it inside of you so that then it can come out of you. David says, I've hidden your word in my heart. I've put it into a place where it's a field. That's where the fruit comes from is your heart. What you plant in your heart will produce fruit. So plant God's word in your heart, ponder his words, Consider them, meditate on them, memorize them. Get the word of God planted in your heart so that it bears fruit. Unfortunately, when I was a kid, I did things like plant uh, like the entire script of Dumb and Dumber in my heart. And, <laughs> and so when I get together with friends, well, like, you know, you just like all these stupid quotes from Dumb and Dumber, because I planted it in my heart. That's not the fruit that I'm really excited about. Like, yeah, I lived a life well. <laughs> I want the words of God coming out of my heart and producing fruit in my conversations with other people. And then obey it. This is where it gets, like this is where the rubber meets the road for us. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word of God. And that's where we remain in his love. Jesus, uh, he says hard things like, Make disciples of me, teaching them to obey some of my commands, the commands that are culturally relevant, the commands they like. No, teach and obey every one of my commands because that's how we remain in his love. Again, that's not how we earn his love, but his love causes him to give us commands for our flourishing. And when we love him, we choose to trust him and to put ourselves inside of the good boundaries of what his love has produced for us. Learn to obey his words. And this is where you need community of people too. It's really easy to, to live a double life. 
of where you show up at church on Sunday, you look good and you raise your hands high, like all that stuff, you can serve, you can give, invite people, all that. But if you don't actually have a community of people who know you and who can speak into your life, if you don't have a community of people you can be real with and be honest with, you won't end up becoming obedient to the words of God because every single one of us needs the accountability and the encouragement of others to live a life of faithfulness to him. We don't like that. We would rather do like the Instagram version of it, put the deer face filter on us, you know, whatever. You know, like present that as who we really are. That's not who you really are. Not everybody needs to know everything about you. Like that's the other balance of it. You met people where they just go into their deepest, darkest stuff. Like, hi, my name's Jeremy. Let me tell you about like, whoa, like I don't know you that well. Like it actually loses power when you tell everybody everything because then you can become callous to it and it can actually become a mechanism for having to have actual intimacy with people. I just tell everybody everything and I don't have to have intimacy with anybody. Not everybody needs to know everything about you, but somebody does. You need to have a couple people who you don't hide things from. If you have an area of your life that nobody else knows about, you're in danger. You need to have some trusted brothers and sisters in the family of God who know everything about you and they know what your temptations are. They know when you're disobedient because you confess it to them and they're not gonna like shame you like you thought you were a Christian. You said you love Jesus. You just nailed him to the cross again. You need people who love you and say, I love you too much to let you keep living like this. God has called you to more. What can I do to help you? Call me. Anytime you're struggling with this temptation, call me. My phone is always on to you. When you feel the temptation to do this, call me. When you're not strong enough to get out of this, call me and I will help you and I'll pray with you and I'll encourage you to faithfulness to Jesus. You have to have some people. You have to have a community that's going to do that for you because without it, you will have sin in your life that will not be dealt with, that will keep you outside of the the good confines of God's love and lead it so the fruit that is being produced, even though you think it's going to be hidden and other people won't see it, the day will come when that bursts through the soil and everybody else is able to see what you thought you could hide. You need people who love you so much that they know everything about you and will lay down their life so that you can be faithful to Jesus. And then the last one, we have to remove some other words. Here's the key. You have to remove other words that are already inside of you. The average American in 2022, this was the recent, most recent stat I could find, spent 13 hours and 12 minutes per day consuming digital media. The average American in 2022 spent 13 hours and 12 minutes per day consuming digital media. That's TV, that's podcasts, that's uh, you know, social media. Like it's, it's all of these things. That is an insane amount of words. And those aren't usually good words. I don't think everybody's just listening to sermons all day, but I'm not like that's, I can only take so much. But you're constantly having words that transform you coming into you. 13 hours 22 minutes per day. That becomes what you meditate upon. 
that becomes what's planted inside of your heart. That ends up becoming the fruit that is produced. The words that you've brought into you, they will transform you and produce fruit. We can't spend 13 hours a day consuming the words of others because it's not just words, these are seeds. These are seeds that are being planted into the soil of your heart and your mind that will produce fruit inside of you. And the fruit they produce is fear, hatred, disunity, viewing other people as enemies, viewing other people as people that need to be defeated, tempting you to, oh my gosh, like you, you can't watch like every HGTV show just makes you feel terrible about your life and your house and your vacation. And I mean, my yacht's not, I don't even have a yacht. Like it just makes you like, it just tempts you to consumerism tempts you to materialism. I need more, I need better. And that becomes the focus of your life. Whatever it may be, these words start coming into you. I remember uh, that TV show Lost, my buddy was an extra on it. He's like, hey, you gotta watch this week because I'm an extra on the show. Like you, you gotta watch, I'm gonna be on there. And I'm like, oh, what, what? I've never heard of it. Like, you never heard of it? I'm like, no. He's like, well, you can't just watch it. You have to start at the beginning. And I'm like, ah, not gonna do that. He's like, Germ, if you love me, you need to do this for me. And so like, this is back in the day when Netflix was DVDs. Like they, you had to wait for them. And so like I got the first season and my wife went to work and I like sat down with my guitar and I popped it on. And then all of a sudden she was home from work and I was like, and she's a nurse, those are 12 hour shifts. And I, was, I was dreaming about smoke monsters and polar bears on, a, on an island. Like I was like, like it just consumed me. And that's what I was thinking about. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I gotta get some words out of me. I have to guard my heart because the words that you hear from your shows, what you're listening to, as an election year again, oh my gosh, have we been discipled into politics and hating other people and thinking our people are gonna save us and everybody else is scary and it's all like, that is out there. And we try to put, you know, like your 15 minutes a day of scripture, if you're like one of the 1% of Americans trying to read 15 minutes a day to get through the Bible in a year, and then consuming 13 hours of the other stuff, there's no chance for God's word to bear fruit in your life when there's that many other weeds that are coming in and competing for the resources. You have to make some decisions, not just about what you're going to intentionally bring into you, what you're going to intentionally block from coming into you. So there's only so much seed that your heart can hold. You have to make some decisions to say, this is something that will only bear bad fruit inside of me. I'm not letting that seed inside of my heart. And I'm going to intentionally open myself up to the things that are going to make me like Jesus as I begin to allow his word to remain in me so that I can live a life of fruitfulness like him. But it takes great intentionality. It takes great grace from God for this, but good news, he appointed you for this and he's graced you for this. Greatest desire of my life outside of just his presence is to live like him. That's his greatest desire for me too. I was talking about praying. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but you know, when you start praying, the things that you want, you're going to receive. I wasn't talking about the yacht 
or the upgraded family room, the cruise. That was about the desire for his presence and the desire to be like him. That becomes the consuming desire of your life as you remain in him and he remains in you. Guard your heart, open it up to his word, put it inside of you, remain in him, allow his words to remain in you and you will live like Jesus. Well, Father, we're so grateful for your desires for us, created in your image. God, help us not to get over that, but just continue to be astounded by, we were created in your image. When the world looks at us, we are the image that you created on this earth so others would know what you are like. God, thank you for that, and that that's what we were appointed for, and God, help us to live that out. Thank you that you made it possible for us to remain in you and that's your desire for us to remain in you and for you to remain in us. Thank you that you've given us your words so that we can hide them inside of our heart and the fruit's going to be produced from us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in us, God, that's gonna produce fruit inside of us. And Lord, we just pray, God, stir up such hunger and desire inside of us that we just keep going after you. Lord, teach us how to hide your word in our heart. Teach us how to be obedient to every one of your commands. Teach us to trust you, God, in everything. And Lord, teach us to cut out the other words that don't belong in our hearts so that no bad fruit is produced in us. Thank you for showing us the holy possible for us through the life Jesus lived and continues to live and calls us into. Lead us into it. We repent. Your kingdom is here. The new humanity has arrived and we gladly enter in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're gonna break up in some groups. If you guys want to do some praying with each other, this is where like the magic happens, I guess. If you're like Disney, like this is where the magic is. It's not what you heard me say. It's the family of God coming together and praying for each other and encouraging each other. Uh, that's where the ministry happens. And so I can't encourage you enough. Obviously it's not mandatory, but uh, there's it's power when the people of God gather together in love to minister to each other. So I encourage you to do that. And afterwards, go grab some fruit, and whatever snacks are out there, but enjoy each other. Love you all. God bless. Let's get in groups of like four, six, eight, and let's do some praying for each other.